0: Hi I'm Elizabeth Schellenberg and my family and I have been attending TCC for the past eight years. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Timothy 3 verses 10 to 17. But you Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. It is exciting for me to be able to speak, and and I'm going to be looking at this passage and and getting back to it in a minute, but I'm going to be kind of taking it from a different angle. But before we get there, I want to ask you guys a question, and the question I want to ask is, when was the last time that you sat down with maybe family or friends around a table and shared a meal? Maybe for some of us it was literally yesterday or maybe last week. But as I was doing preparation for this morning's message, I I was reading all about how the life is just getting busier. Kids are doing more sports and more extracurricular activities, and that's kind of led to a lot of families having to eat their meals separately. Or maybe even doing their meal times at different times. And so it's one of those things that just it it, it takes away from time together, and, and know that if you are in that company of life is busy, and we're, we haven't been able to gather around a table as much as you would like. know that, again, you're in good company. Lara and, Lara and I often have to eat our meals a little bit sporadically and not together, which kind of sucks. It's not what we want to do. We would rather eat together and share that meal. But I remember being a kid. And I remember being a kid. And I I remember being kind of jealous of my best friend. My best friend, him and his family, whenever they would do meals together, they would like get the food all ready. They would go and kind of plate up their food. And then they would run to the living room and eat their food as they took in whatever sitcom was on that night. And I remember being jealous of that because that was not what my family did at all. Every time we ate a meal, you needed to come and sit around my parents' oak table. And dinner would be served on these serving plates and you would have to scoop up. And then before we could even eat, everyone would have to hold hands, which is the worst, especially when your siblings are beside you and you had like a little spat with them. And you're like, I am not holding your hand. Meanwhile, dad's gazing at you like, you will hold your brother's hand. Do you hear me? I'm like, oh, fine. And you have to hold their hands, and then they're squeezing hard, just trying to give you the gears. And you're like, oh. Meanwhile, dad's praying, and you know if you say anything, he's going to give you the dirty look. Like, how dare you? We are praying and talking to God. But I remember, like, all that. And, 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 And I think part of my parents' vision with us eating around a table every time that we could was to connect was to actually talk about our days, to share what was going on. And for my parents, I'm sure it was like, part of it was to actually find out, like, how are you actually doing? What's going on in your life? I know that as soon as we're done this meal, you are going to go off, all of you, and there are six of us, in different directions. And it's going to be hard for them to really have a conversation with each and every single one of us. And so we would gather around that table, and my parents would ask questions, hey, how was your day? What's going on in your life? What's, what's one thing you're looking forward to this week? And then my parents, my dad would share about his day, and my mom would share about her day. and we would just talk. And I remember there was a lot of good memories with that, around a table, gathering together. And what really took place around that table, though, it, it was real it felt real and it was real. We as individuals were coming together regardless of what was occurring, regardless of the circumstances of the day, regardless of how you felt about your siblings. We were coming together as a family and we were going to share a meal and talk together. And looking back on this, I I actually love the fact that my parents did that that they made us sit together even when we weren't having a good day, even when we weren't necessarily getting along together. We came together as a family. And it kind of reminds me of this scene from Pixar's Inside Out. Riley, the daughter and main character of the show, is struggling with her recent move, and she feels like her joy is starting to slip away as she confronts the new reality of a new home, a new school, and a new life. Let's watch the scene together acting so weird
0: why is she acting so weird what do you expect all the islands are down joy would know what to do that's it until she gets back we just do what joy would do great idea anger fear disgust how are we supposed to be happy hey riley i've got good news i found a junior hockey league right here in san francisco and get this tryouts are tomorrow after school what luck, right? hockey. Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, th- 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 this, this, uh, here, you, you pretend to be Joy. Won't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah. That sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like Joy. Uh, because I'm not Joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh-huh, mm-hmm. sure did. Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So? how was the first day of school she's probing us i'm done you pretend to be joy okay um hmm. it was fine i guess i don't know oh very smooth that was just like joy something is definitely going on she's never acted like this before what should we do we're gonna find out what's happening but we'll need support signal the husband ahem looking at us uh what did she say well oh oh, sorry sir no one was listening is it garbage night uh we left the toilet seat up what what is it woman what he's making that stupid face again i could strangle him right now signal him again
1: ah so riley how was school
0: seriously oh, please, be kidding, kidding me. me for this we gave up that brazilian helicopter pilot Who? i'll be joined school was great all right Riley, is everything okay? Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. No, 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 stay happy. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2 You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2 Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well Here it comes, prepare the foot Keys to second position Waiter to launch on your command, sir Just shut up! Fire! That's it Go to your room. Now. Ah! Foot is down. The foot is down. Yeah, Woo! Yeah! Good job, oh, gentlemen. Good. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. Come fly with me, Gacchinha. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs>
1: I love how Riley's mom, it, like after finding out that her daughter's not good, is starting to like ask questions, right? Like engage. What's going on? What like how are you doing? And tries to bring in the support, right? And it just doesn't go well. But man, I, I like it's one of those moments in life when we're sitting down together, sharing a meal. There there's something special about that. And for this family, they're beginning to ask questions. And I think that asking questions piece is, is just so important. When we sit down together, when we are actually together, present, no no phones, no TVs, just the faces of loved ones around a table, engaging and being real with one another, it, there's something special about that. And that's what I want to talk about today, about how community happens best when we are vulnerable, when we, when we're really there, when we're talking with one another. We're in the middle of a series titled Life Together, and and through our series we want to explore the practice of doing life and how we as TCC believe one of the core practices of Christianity, one of the core practices of doing life is community. Jesus did life with his disciples. God created man and put him in a garden with Eve. They are together. And when he made Eve, he said, it is good for man not to be alone, and it is good for them to be together. And even God in himself, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are community. We are made for community, are made for community, but oftentimes, when we look at the world around us, it gives us kind of a false sense of what community really is about. We kind of gather around hobbies, we talk about things that we like and enjoy, but we rarely dive in deep to the things that actually matter. We rarely talk about things that are impacting our life, impacting our core being. It's easy to get stuck on the surface level of things of just focusing on what is going on around us and rarely being real and authentic it it takes actually a choice to be real and authentic it pushes us out of our comfort zone and if we're honest in this season of life i i don't know about you guys but i'm still recovering from covid i'm still recovering from this season of feeling alone and isolated And so as I enter back into community, as I enter back into kind of normal life, as it were, with not a lot of restrictions going on, no limiting precautions, it's a willful choice to re-engage in community. And as Christians, we need to be engaged in community. It is a key thing for us. And so I know I'm feeling this tension. I, I don't know how many of you guys are as well, but it is there. How do we re-engage? How do I reconnect with a group of people who are doing life in a similar way? Who are pursuing Jesus with their everything? And how do we move beyond the surface and talk about things that are really going on in our life? There are brothers and sisters in Christ that we are actually called family. That's why we call them brothers and sisters in Christ. They are our family. And so for me, I've chosen to reconnect with my Christian family. I've chosen to reconnect with those people who I am letting down my guard around and saying, I want you to feed into my life, and I want to feed into yours. Ultimately, what I'm saying is, I am choosing to be vulnerable with people around me. Choosing to open up about what's really going on. And vulnerability, if we're honest, it can take many different shapes and forms, but at its core, vulnerability is about being honest with one another. It's about sharing parts of ourselves that maybe we'd rather keep to ourselves. The most normal way it will happen is when we engage one another in intentional community and share what is going on in our life. And this can be a challenging thing to do, because I, like, like many of you, have been burned in the past by community. By those people that I have chosen to do life with. And, and that hurts. And it's not something that we easily recover from. When we get hurt by the people that we chosen, have chosen to be our family, it takes a while to recover. Vulnerability is, is something that cannot be taken for granted at all or rather at all costs, must be protected. When we are vulnerable, we are allowing others to see the real us. We remove the guards that we far too often have up, and we expose ourselves to being wounded in a place that can actually deeply impact our being. But man alive, if our friend responds to our vulnerability with love and and, and speaks words of life and encouragement and love, we can find healing for our soul by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that can only happen if we are willing to be vulnerable. Andy Crouch has this amazing quote on what true vulnerability looks like and the impact that it can have if it is handled incorrectly. The quote is this. The vulnerability that leads to flourishing requires risk, which is the possibility of loss, the chance that when we act, we will lose something we value. Risk, like life, is always about probabilities, never about certainties. To risk is to open ourselves up to the chance that something will go wrong, that something will be taken from us without knowing for sure whether that loss will come to pass or not. To be vulnerable is to be exposed to the possibility of loss. And not just the loss of things or possessions, but the loss of our own sense of self. Vulnerability at root means woundable. And any wound deeper than the most superficial scratch injures and limits not just our bodies, but our very sense of self. Wounded, we are forced to become careful, tender, and tentative in a way, in the way we move in the world if we can still move on our own at all, to be vulnerable is to open oneself up to the possibility, though not certainty, that the result of our action in the world will be a wound, something lost, potentially never to be gained again. I want to start here. It's it's kind of a low note, to be honest, but I want to acknowledge the fact that there are people in our community at TCC who have been wounded, that we have been vulnerable with people, We've opened our lives to people, and we have not had people respect that or cherish that how they should. They have wounded us. And to overlook that, it might be what's holding us back from community. If you have a wound that has happened because you have been vulnerable with someone and they didn't respect it, that wound needs to be healed. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be looked at because it is going to hold you back from engaging in Christian community if you don't deal with it, if you don't actually work on it, if you don't look at it. Ignoring it cannot be an option. I recently had a student come up to me just this last week and share how he was wounded by someone he considered a close friend. And it really hurt, it really hurt that it happened. And as he shared, he he told me it actually happened at youth group, that it happened in the middle of a small group time, that he shared something, and then that person that he shared with went and began gossiping behind his back about him. To say that I was heartbroken is an understatement. It really was not a good thing to hear. And my heart went out for my student that he was going through this tough time. I desire for here, Youth, our youth group at TCC, to be a safe place for our students. But you know what? As I told him, I want to tell you the same thing. Putting yourself out there is a risk. It it is something that we have to do, especially if we want to follow Christ, because we need people who are going to be our community, people who are going to be our family and build us up and encourage us and, and, and help us towards pursuing Christ more and more in our life. And sometimes there are going to be people who abuse that. There are going to be people who take advantage of that. And to turn your back on all Christian community, on all the opportunities to connect and have those people feed into your life is not the answer. Instead, what we have to do when that happens is we have to address that. We have to go to that person and lovingly try to correct it. Christian community is full of people just like us and if we're honest we know that we fall short a lot of the time that we mess up that we make mistakes even though we're doing our best to pursue Christ with our everything we often stumble and fall short we miss the mark we betray confidences sometimes And if we don't acknowledge that that is also a part of Christian community, we're holding up a false idol as to what Christian community really is. It is full of sinners saved by grace. We can't have unrealistic, impossible expectations. Christian community is messy. It's a part of it. We ourselves are often the ones who wound and hurt our friends. And so as I encourage my student, I encourage you, we need to realize that people aren't perfect, that we aren't perfect, and that when people hurt us, the worst thing we can do is turn our back and run away. Instead, what happens or what should happen is that we need to run to the person that hurt us and actually talk with them, confront them about what's going on with humbleness and with gentleness. And don't let that one bad incident ruin what is one of the most beautiful and blessed gifts that God gives us, community. When someone wounds us, we need to be honest with that individual, and we need to be honest with ourselves, and let them know what they did. We confront them with love and humility, knowing that we aren't perfect either, and we offer them grace and forgiveness that Christ has offered us in abundance. This doesn't mean that we give people a free pass in wounding us. In fact, it's the opposite. It means that we lovingly correct them as Jesus told us to in Matthew eighteen, fifteen to 17. How we handle our Christian brothers and sisters after they hurt us matters so much more than them hurting us in the first place. This is where the hard work of maintaining fellowship begins and happens. We have to assume that we will hit bumps and life will get messy in the midst of community. How we handle forgiveness and restoration speaks to our understanding of Christ's grace and forgiveness for us. That his sacrifice actually paid for something. The temptation to walk away is there, and hear me on that. That is might be, that might be our first response is to run away, to hide, to ignore what has taken place. But we are called by Christ to be known for our love, and that's where rubber hits the road, where we face what hurts us. That's where our love will actually cost us, and it pushes us towards relationship. And that provides the opportunity for true vulnerability. So what does Christian community look like? This is all a part of Christian community. The first step in doing life together is really just that. It's actually doing life together. We need to do life together. And for some of us here today, if all you hear is an invitation today back to community after being wounded, that is a great takeaway. That is an amazing thing to walk away with today. Know that whatever has happened to you was wrong, that it shouldn't have happened, and that it's not okay. But please do not allow Satan to rob you one more day of God's rich blessing of community. In fact, I would dare say that if you are not in Christian community, that that's actually an issue. It is something that needs to be a part of your life. As I said before, Jesus demonstrates that with his disciples. He demonstrates it as he does life with his disciples. God, as I said, he and himself is community, and he's created us to be a part of community. There are so many passages on this, and, and I would encourage you to do a word study if you have time to do so. But I want to focus and continue talking about vulnerability within community. And I want to start by asking you a very simple question. What is your Christian community? What do you do on a regular basis to stay connected to a Christian community? Are you a part of one? And, and hear me on this. Sunday mornings, they're important. This is an important thing in our life. But if this is the only Christian community that you are a part of, you are missing out on true, authentic Christian community. Real life happens when we open ourselves up to one another when we talk about what is really going on in our life. And it's a hard thing to do. But man, it is a blessing to actually be a part of Christian community, where we sit down and talk and engage with one another and open ourselves up to having people look in our life and speak into it. We have an awesome opportunity every Sunday morning to do brunch together, and that's a great part of Christian community, but it is tough to have real, authentic conversations around a brunch table when there's so many other conversations happening. So please, don't take brunch as your Christian community. Don't take Sunday mornings as your Christian community. Look for it in your day-to-day life. Who are you talking to on a regular basis? Who are you connecting to? Us as a staff, we, we really want to encourage everyone, and we want to encourage you by modeling it ourselves That Christian community looks great as a triad, three people coming together and sharing what's going on in your life. A small group or a community group is also an amazing place to have community. But don't miss out on what Christian community really is. It's people being authentic, people being real, people being vulnerable with one another, opening up yourself to actually being discipled by one another. Be a part of Christian community. Have heart-to-heart conversations with one another. The kind of conversations where we open ourselves up to one another and get to know the real one another, the real person behind that person. What their passions are, what their joys are, what their lows and sorrows are. Where we get to see where Christ is at work in their life. And we can affirm and encourage them and say, keep going, keep pursuing Christ in this way. Or, hey, I've noticed this. This sin is, is is actually a reoccurring thing in your life. Let's address that. Let's deal with that together. Let me be there for you when you are struggling. Give me a text when you feel tempted. Give me a text when you are celebrating something and, and rejoicing over something. And allow me to rejoice with you in your successes. Authentic community brings grace and forgiveness. It brings healing to our souls. The picture I think of of this type of relationship from the Bible, it's found between Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy, there are these two guys, Paul the mentor and Timothy the mentee, who have done life together for a good season of life. They've journeyed together, they've talked, and and, and through those conversations and through spending time together, they have actually shared vulnerabilities with one another. They've shared about their life, about what really is going on. And through that, we get a passage like we read today where Paul is feeding into Timothy. He knows his gifts. He knows the things that are going on in his life. He knows his joys and his sorrows. He knows what's going on around him. And he's able to speak into it because of the vulnerability that they've shared with one another, because they've been authentic and real with one another. And Paul uses this passage to speak into Timothy's life, to encourage him. Let's read it one more time. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17, and it'll also be on the screen behind me. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Paul, Paul knows Timothy, right? Like, like time and time again, he's talking to Timothy and saying, I know this about you, I know this. But not only is Paul the mentor saying, I know this about you, I know this. He's also saying, Timothy, you know this about me. You've spent enough time with me to know me well, and you know these things about me. We have done life together. Who in your life do you know, like Paul knows Timothy, and like Timothy knows Paul? For some of us, we might be able to say our our spouse. For some of us, we might be able to say a best friend. And that's awesome and, and, and great. But are there others who are in your life that are actually pushing you to Jesus and who are gonna challenge you and correct you? And and I don't know about you, but I, I love my wife Lara. Like I honest to goodness, you'll I'll I'll gush over her nonstop if you let me. But there are people that I have in my life, men who I have chosen to say, these are my people who are going to be calling me out, who are gonna be providing correction in my life, who are gonna be providing blessing and encouragement. People that I have chosen to open up myself to, like Paul and Timothy, and say, you can speak into my life. You can challenge me. Because if I'm honest at times, as much as I love Lara, sometimes when she points out something, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. And I kind of can put up my wall and barrier if I'm being honest, right? We can do that with our spouse once in a while. But with those guys, my triad, I have chosen to say, you guys can speak into my life. You can correct me and challenge me. And sometimes, let's be honest, they say the exact same thing that Lara says. Let's be real. But sometimes hearing it from another voice also encourages me and brings it up as well. They are people who I regularly submit my life to. I've given them permission to speak into my life. Often, when we meet together, we we end up gathering around a table, whether it's a coffee table or a dining room table. And and the table has become for us this practical place where we enter into authentic relationship with each other. And it's become a place where we have agreed it is a safe place to be vulnerable with one another, to share what is really going on, to talk about the things that we're not proud of, to talk about the things that we are proud of, to celebrate with one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another. It is one of the most blessed things that I have in my life. And in a season a few years ago when I was really at my lowest, they were able to surround me and build me back up and put me together and say, Quinn, you are loved, you are a man of God, and continue going down the path that Christ has laid out before you. And without them, I can honestly say that I would still not be, or I would not be in ministry without them. Who are the people in your life that are surrounding you and building into you? Who are the people that you are vulnerable with? The vulnerability that has happened and taken place around a table for us is something that had to be cultivated. It didn't happen overnight. We also, all three of us, have chosen and had to continue to choose to put ourselves out there. It took time and space, and and we've worked on it for many years to build it to be a place where when we gather, we can just dive in and talk about real life. And it all started when Ryan and Brad invited me to join them. To actually be a part of this intentional community. They reached out shortly after I moved to Edmonton and they extended an invitation just to try it out. Quinn, come come try it for a night, see what you think, and I think it might be really good, but if you want to be a part of it, you have to commit. And that was a part of it too, was actually committing to being a part of something on a regular basis. We meet once a month, at least that's our hope. We don't always hit that, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) But We are there for one another, and we have an ongoing text conversation. And I think that's the piece that was so amazing, was it was just that. It was an invitation to be a part of community that started it all. And it's as simple as that, an invitation. Maybe you don't have that type of community around you. And I would encourage you, start by inviting someone to be a part of something. And this is the challenge I want to leave us all with today, is to invite someone over for dinner or for coffee, knowing that potentially it could build to something else. And I want to focus of this idea around a table, because when we are around a table, we are looking at one another. We're connecting with one another. And as we do that on a regular basis, our barriers will come down, and we will allow people to speak and feed into us. We can, we can remove the distractions, put our phones on silent, put them in a pocket, put them away, whatever we need to do so that we can actually engage with one another. I wonder for my parents if them gathering us around a table is just that, is an attempt, an invitation to doing community together, to being a family together. And we as Christians, we have been adopted into God's family. We are a family, brothers and sisters in Christ. What if we took that opportunity more often to gather together as brothers and sisters, to talk with each other, to be open and honest, to push past the surface level discussions and get to know each other like Paul and Timothy did? I wonder what kind of impact that, that would have in our life. What kind of impact that that would trickle out to impacting our entire church here at TCC? What kind of impact that that could have in our community here in Terwilliger? I bet you it would be a big one. The relationship that is fostered through vulnerability has an amazing impact. First and Second Timothy are records of that. Who in your life is a Paul or a Timothy? Maybe for you right now, as you're hearing this message, and, and as you're thinking about it, it, it really is no one. You have some people that you're close friends with, but even them, you, you wouldn't share that dark, dark, deep secret with. Man, we're, we're not meant to have hidden places in our soul. We are meant to be open and to live in the light to not hide in the shadows. We are called to be people of Christ and to live our life transparently before others. Start that with a small group that you know you can be honest with. Start there. Today's takeaway is I, I want to leave us with three things. Three challenges, three, three encouragements, three, three opportunities to take a step toward vulnerability. The very first one is this. Take that step Take the very first step and find a Christian community. Find a community group that you can be a part of. You can go back to the Connection Center and meet with Pastor Steve, and he will tell you about community groups that we have started up and are continuing to start up. He will talk about how that is an opportunity for you to connect with people and be real with each other, to actually build those relationships. For others of us this morning, maybe it's an opportunity today to realize that we have been wounded, and it's been holding us back from entering into Christian community again. And so if that's you, I would encourage you, talk with one of us on staff. It would be a privilege to be able to talk with you and discuss what's going on, and, and maybe we could just speak some words of life and love and encouragement to you. Maybe we could help you to find that path of healing and restoration. But for all of us, I, I really want to press this. I, I, I want to hit this hard because Sunday mornings isn't enough. It's not enough. It, it, it can sometimes feel like it is. I, I'm doing that thing. I'm going to church. God, like, isn't that enough? And I get it. Like, we're all busy. There's always stuff going on, and, and, and that's a great thing. But, man, make space. Make space in your life. I I can honestly tell you, when we meet as a triad, it is one of the most important things that I do on a regular basis. It is one of the most important things that impacts me in my discipleship and in my walk with Jesus. I would strongly encourage you, don't leave Christian community to just Sunday mornings. It's not enough. Second takeaway is this. Allow your door to be open. Allow your door to be open. The first practical step in doing life together is welcoming one another into our space, into life, into where we live, opening our physical house door and saying, You are welcome to be a part of my life. It is a tough thing to do, it is a challenging thing to do because we are saying, Hey, you can come into my space, you can come into my world, you can come into my life. And for some of us, we are outgoing people, and that is a very natural thing to do. Pastor Steve is one of those people. And there are other of us, others of us, who are more introverted and who say, but I like my space. I like having a bubble around me. But guys, like I said before, we are meant to do life together. And it doesn't need to be something that you do weekly. It it, it could be something you do monthly. Monthly. Have a regular conversation with your family about, hey, when can we invite people into our home? When can we gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and share a meal together? Invite people into our world. And that is my final takeaway. Invite someone over to dinner and to coffee. Invite someone to actually have an open and honest conversation with and just start building relationships and maybe after you have a coffee or a dinner with someone, maybe it will naturally progress itself to being, hey, do you want to be a part of a triad? Hey, do you want to meet on a regular basis? Because I know that you, you're a Christian, and, and I am trying to find, my, find a way in my life to be discipled on a regular basis. And, and I think that we could maybe have a special thing here where we can disciple one another, like a Paul and Timothy. And after you build that connection with one person, look for another person and find someone else that you guys can meet with and actually continue to grow with. But the very first thing you need to do is just start by inviting someone. Don't run all the way to the finish line. Start start at the starting place. Meet and connect. I believe that if we as TCC chose to enter into community with vulnerability, that the impact would be great. That it would, it would be so great, that it would impact so many other things. I believe that if we engaged in community with vulnerability, that lives would be changed as we open up to one another. That we would all find a place and a people to whom we belong. And finally, that our lives would be so impacted that the world around us would see a difference in us and through us. And I believe that because of the amount of impact that Paul and Timothy had in the world around them. I believe if we lived in community with vulnerability, that Christ would be known because of it, that people would come to faith. This is why I believe community happens best when we are vulnerable with one another. But it's a choice, and it's a choice that we all have to individually make. And I would just lay before you that it's your choice today. And maybe this week is an opportunity to start. I mean, Thanksgiving is right here. We all have a bunch of food in our cupboards, probably. And it's easy to start with people we know, but maybe this morning as you go for brunch and as you sit down, maybe try to find someone you don't know. Maybe you'll find someone to be a part of your triad or your small group or your community group. But just start. I'm going to call the worship team up and, and I'm going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, I thank you for relationships in the Bible like Paul and Timothy. People that we can look at and, and see the impact of people living out their faith. People choosing to pursue you, Jesus. Lord God, for, for each of us here today, you have called us to be a part of community. You've called us to be vulnerable. You've called us to be open and honest. And and God, that's a scary thing. It's a challenging proposal. But God, the impact that can happen if we choose to engage in community can be so great. If we can choose to be vulnerable, Lord God, you could speak into our lives through our brothers and sisters. God, we believe that every Christian has the Holy Spirit inside them. And so as we meet with our brothers and sisters, you are given permission to speak. Lord, I pray for each of us that we would open ourselves up to that opportunity. Lord, for those of us who have been wounded in the past, those of us who have been burned by community, I I pray, Lord God, that you would just... that you would provide healing that you would provide boldness to actually confront that issue. And by the power of Jesus, I just proclaim healing over that. Healing over your soul if you are carrying a wound. I believe that God can heal you, that God can restore you. And that you don't need to be left on the outside. But that you can be warmly welcomed back into to community. Lord God, give us a boldness to engage this week, to not wait another moment before engaging in community again. God, you've called us to life together, and I pray that we would do that. pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.